Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Tonight our guest is Emmett Goswami, and the topic tonight is quantum spirituality. Quantum spirituality. Boy, those two terms in and of themselves, quantum, quantum, like the the vehicle of creation. I mean, how do you even how do you even wrap language around the infinite potential that the quantum has to offer us? And then spirituality, which is perhaps equally all-encompassing, if you will, uh, as to the nature of consciousness. I think we're in for uh, a delightful conversation tonight. It's uh, it's going to be good to have Emmett back on the show. This will be his third time on our on our show tonight, and uh, I really look forward to our conversation. Emmett is a, a former professor of physics at the University of Oregon. He in, he discovered in 1985 the solution of the quantum measurement problem and developed a science of experience explaining how consciousness splits into subject and object. Subsequently, he developed a theory of reincarnation and integrated conventional and alternative medicine within the new quantum science of health. Among his many other discoveries are the quantum theory of the creative process, the theory of quantum evolution, and the theory of quantum economics that extends Adam Smith's capitalism into a workable paradigm for the 21st century. In 2009, he started a movement called Quantum Activism, now gaining ground in North and South America, Southern and Eastern Europe, and in India. In 2018, in India, together with his collaborators, he established Quantum Activism, an institution of transformative education based on quantum science and the primacy of consciousness. He is the author of numerous books, most notably The Self-Aware Universe, Physics of the Soul, The Quantum Doctor, God is Not Dead, Quantum Creativity, and the Everything Answer Book. Dr. Guasami was featured in the movie What the Bleep Do We Know, as well as documentaries Dalai Lama, Renaissance, and Quantum Activist. Join me in welcoming Dr. Guasami on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Good to be here. Quantum spirituality. I mean... I'm no sproctologist, but you're like writing a book about the nature of everything. I mean, wouldn't you think? Yes, it is It is sort of like that, because quantum spirituality is about wholeness. And so it does cover everything with a little bit of caveat, in the sense that when we talk about the self-archetype, we, our goal is that to achieve the oneness, and we give up the connection with the world, whereas when we try to achieve wholeness, wholeness includes the world. The world is not excluded, like when we talk about oneness, 
oneness means that unconscious oneness, whereas wholeness can be staying within uh, a balance of conscious and unconscious, integrating the both. Therefore, um, it is a it is a kind of spirituality that um, that is better suited for people now because we have too much work to do in the world and we cannot afford really to lose our best mind to the uh, uh, what is called liberation and spiritual uh, circles. Right. So, I mean, I, I like what you're saying about the uh, dichotomy between the, um, I guess, non-local um, aspect of 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 pure consciousness and then the the physical realm of living in the world how does how does quantum the quantum element um come into that yes that is of course the crucial question so i have to go to a little bit basics i think for the sake of the listener because people are not usually um uh, very much conversant with quantum physics but in quantum physics, the crucial point is that all objects are possibilities. There are waves of possibility, that's a technicality, but what means is that an object, like an electron, can appear in many different places at once. Now, of course, that doesn't happen in the space-time world that we live. There, the electron appears always with one facet, one position. So the scientists have always been puzzled that the equations tell us that electrons should be able to appear in many, many places at the same time. Um, and indeed, we have built technologies on that basis. Electrons do, experiments do suggest that electrons have that power, and yet we never see them as waves in this domain of space and time. So the conclusion is that there are waves in possibility. When we measure, the possibility becomes actually that. Now, you know, all these years people have done it, um, people have talked about it, they always thought that the objects, possibility objects, collapse into actual events of experience. They never thought that the, it is more complicated than that. So John von Neumann, this mathematician physicist who worked work on it and, uh, who was working on it in the 50s, he first suggested that maybe it is more complicated because without an observer, you really cannot do it. You really cannot collapse the wave into a particle without somebody looking at it. So, um, but there were paradoxes about it. People worked on these paradoxes when I was a graduate student. People said, all oh, these paradoxes cannot be solved. Um, and then many years later, I took up the problem, and um, indeed uh, the idea came to me, which is that you now for Newman is right, and the paradoxes can be avoided if we do it right. Doing it right, by that time the data was there, so I guess my uh, creativity could look at the whole thing, the crucial data that was not there in von Neumann's time was that uh, there is the uh, experimental data now. Uh, Spain, Alana Spain in France did it in 1982, which shows that this domain of potentiality where this possibility waves reside, that domain is a oneness. Um, because two objects there, if they interact, they become 
one, they can communicate instantly without exchanging a signal. So, you know, oneness and then subject and object, observer looking at an object. So I had the idea that in a quantum measurement, oneness breaks up into two, subject and object. Subject is represented in the brain looking at an object. And this is what mystics have been telling us all along. So in this way, uh, the first breakthrough was made that quantum physics and spirituality are intimately connected. Well, the the notion of um, infinite possibilities or perhaps perhaps infinite probabilities, um, and then to have that collapse into the the uh, experience based on the consciousness of the observer right now that that seems like uh, the consciousness is plucking one possibility out of an infinite variety of possibilities and yet as yes. a as a human being um, we can go years and even decades in our life with a with a repetitive desire for something else. Maybe we're struggling with uh, an addiction or um, um, a, a poverty or perhaps a disease. How is it that we keep choosing, uh, we keep collapsing the field into something that we don't desire? Yes, this is the problem, isn't it? You hit it right on the spot. This is the problem. We settle into conditioning because basically it's a question of fear. What happened to um, people in America and elsewhere, everyone has become very fearful. Now, I don't have to explain this. Just look at the political scene. <laughs> everyone is fearful. They right. can be <laughs> everywhere. You know, I'm right now sitting in India. Here, are people any less fearful? No, not at all. Their fear of not having enough money, not having enough power, not having enough food, not having enough love, not having any quality in life, fearful of everything. And therefore, they cannot take the step of the one thing that they need to do, which is to look for the new, look for the infinite possibilities and start however hard it is start getting all those possibilities to collapse. And the shame of it is that, you know, quantum physics that I have suggested in 1993 in a book, the Universe, that has been around now for almost 30 years. Uh, the paper I published in 1989, that was 30 years ago. Uh, the book came out in 1993. So it's amazing that for three decades, the, the idea has been there, the method of doing creativity according to quantum physics. I wrote that book in 1999 first, and again, uh, it came out in 2013 uh, in slightly revised form. So method we know, um, we know that vital energies are very important, and that's where you have to work with to eliminate fear and transform it to courage or love, and that knowledge even is available. This is where I wrote the book Quantum Spirituality. Here is where we explicitly have talked about how to get over the fear, how to find courage, and how to find love 
by transforming the vital energy block that exists that causes us fear. So maybe this book will help some people at least overcome their fear. Right. So the vital energy um, block. So when, you know, it's it's curious because we've, We've talked to hundreds of people on the show about the the human potential, the 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 power of the consciousness, the point of presence of consciousness in the human persona, and then you talk about the vital energy that impedes or perhaps collapses the possibilities into a very repetitive pattern. You know the notion of. Um, uh, I think people are really hungry for a more authentic story, a more uh, viable vision of the future. Um, people are very hungry for um, uh, a deeper understanding of the truth, and yet um, this this vital energy that impedes our ability to select new paradigms out of the, the infinite prob- possibilities that that are before us, you know, uh, I like the notion of of road rage um, in the sense that it makes it quite evident that there's energy stored in a persona. So maybe five minutes before a road rage incident, the person is talking normally. They're They're pretty much at ease, whatever that is, for their persona. And then a simple perhaps trivial event triggers their persona and this immense amount of this immense amount of uh, vital energy flares out of their subconscious and they become very agitated and even perhaps embodying rage in the moment how does this vital energy that um, that we hold in our psyche how does that collapse the field of possibilities. Yeah, this is the problem. I mean, what has happened is that our brain already has this circuit, the anger that you refer to the rage, and then there is jealousy, that's another big one, and then there is the domination, that's a very big one right now everywhere, people just trying to dominate everyone else. So, uh, yeah, these negative emotions are built into the brain. They are called universal software that runs the brain's hardware. So how to deal with this? How to deal with this is go back to the body. The body has chakras. This is a lesson that the Eastern traditions in India and Tibet particularly have discovered but it is not completely unknown in the West either. Everybody, for example, knows the heart chakra is about love, right? So now we have a complete theory of these chakras. Uh, I have been talking about these chakras um, since the 1990s. Um, so it is quite possible to overcome this negative emotional brain circuit uh, tyranny through activating the chakras in the body. It's, it's unfortunate that we are not aware of it. You know, I myself was not aware of it. I remember going to a workshop in the 1980s, and this uh, workshop leader named Richard Moss is quite well known. He was uh, teaching how to uh, heal the chakras. But, you know, he was 
uh, he had active active hands. Our hands are which gives vital energy in a non-local way. And I, um, he tried to heal my chakra and he did all kinds of things and, but I didn't feel anything. So when he was asking how people experience things, everybody was saying this, that, this, that, they were all delighted to have experienced something. And I said, I didn't experience anything. And he said, um, well, I can only open the door for you, but you have to go through it. And then I asked, but how? He said, well, you have to leave, leave your ego behind. So I said, but I'm a scientist. <laughs> I don't care when it happens. And of course, everybody laughed. So the scientist shortcoming you know, became very clear to me. And ever since I became a little non, not so much scientist at every occasion. And when I learned to do that, then only um, this domain became uh, very uh, available to me. Before then, the domain was completely closed. So these body chakras, they're just not active in people. And this is why the energy stays there at this root chakra, you know, the anus. This is why people call them anal retentive. The persona that you are talking about, that persona suffers from anal retentivity. And that's the fearful persona. And there's no getting out of it by concentrating on the brain. You have to activate the navel chakra, which is the place where self-assurance comes in. And when that chakra is activated, fear transforms into courage. Well, you, you just mentioned how um, um, you, you had embodied perhaps the, the notion of being a scientist. And then um, through this uh, workshop, working with the uh, um, the chakras, you were awakened to a, a whole new realm of awareness. And through that awareness came a deeper understanding of the mechanics of what is, so to speak. Um, yeah. How do you how do you balance the scientific method? And then that kind of etherical awakening, if you will, because the scientific method wants a, a traceable result, and yet there's so much to our persona that is uh, etherical and and non-physical. How do you how do you have a foot in both realms and still uh, stay true to the scientific method? Yes, that's it. that's precisely the point. Scientific method is unfortunately based on our previous conditioning. Real scientists, the great scientists, Einstein, Newton, whoever uh, you want to mention, Richard Feynman in the 20th century, everyone uh, has always been creative. You know, they don't use the scientific method. That's the truth of it. But that's all hush-hush. Nobody wants to admit it. Scientific method says you can figure it out all by reasoning, and then experiments will, you give a bunch of choices, models, and then experiments will decide which model is correct. But something like consciousness, um, you know, how many models can we make? Like right now, if you look at the literature, people are making hundreds of models of consciousness. Sure. So, uh, what experiment? I mean, we have to spend billions of dollars to 
I mean, if we could get that kind of money, nobody gives any money for consciousness as of today. Very few people, like Templeton Foundation, maybe. But so, doing experiment to rule out models is going to take enormous amount of time. One have to has to have the creative idea, which I did. And fortunately, of course, the idea that we have. Uh, connection to the unity, unity consciousness, oneness, that immediately gives an idea that we not only have the ego self, which has lost that connection, uh, virtually lost, it's not totally lost, of course, um, but then additionally, we have a transpersonal self, which I call quantum self, which ancient people know, they called it inner self, or spiritual self, or spirit. So, this idea has already been verified in neuroscience. So, sometimes, we are lucky and we uh, jump creatively, take a quantum leap, we discover a new idea, new way of looking at it, and experiments rise to the occasion and verify it. So in this case, actually, it has turned out quite well. Unfortunately, we live in such a polarized world that even if an experiment verifies an idea, even then, just like uh, Republicans deny uh, any truth in whatever is happening in uh, uh, Ukraine or whatever you have, uh, similarly, uh, scientists, materialists, they deny everything that is happening in consciousness research unless it fits their model. This has become a commonplace thing. It's not just politics. Everywhere. Science actually started it. Unless unless your work fits my model, I will completely deny your work. Well, the the notion of uh, what you what what you're talking about, my model, your model, if if indeed the quantum field has an infinite uh, number of po possibilities, and and our consciousness is what collapses it into a quote reality unquote. How um, it seems like uh, there's there's so many um, possibilities in the moment that with the scientific method, if you will, uh, myself as a consciousness can can kind of handpick a, a reality out of the quantum field, and my my adjacent coworker scientists could pick yet a different model out, and at some point they would seem contradictory, but yet the quantum field had fulfilled both of them. How do you, how do you dismantle um, the, the, the layers of, of expectation, if you will, from, from the belief systems or patterns that each scientist brings from their past and find that underlying fundamental truth? Actually, this is a very, very good question. And the answer, likewise, is, is a bit, you really have to think about this. The answer is crucial to understand. And this is root of an enormous number of problems that arise. Actually, the answer is that when we are strictly in the lowest level of the ego, we are in danger of completely losing the connection with the quantum field, or consciousness as I call it. Why? Because the 
you have to be a little bit open to creativity in order to connect to that oneness. The ego, persona especially, becomes so much into rational thinking, especially when scientific method becomes the only acceptable way of, I think I do, that kind of thing, a dogma, then what happens is that you are completely excluding creativity. And only in creativity, actually, that oneness consciousness connects to us. Except for creativity, it has to be a quantum leap, at least an intuition. Otherwise, the quantum consciousness, that part of the consciousness which deals with the new, that never engages. The consciousness that engages with at the ego level, that consciousness is a benevolent consciousness which goes along with the ego. Yes, in principle, that consciousness is everything, and everything is a choice of that consciousness. However, it gets compromised, and that compromise even in, was known even in ancient times. This is the problem always. People who are into their rational mind, they become machine-like because they can figure out everything they think by simply allowing logic. So they really believe that everything is already in the brain. They don't have to really be, have to be creative. They don't have to explore any new possibilities. Everything they need is right here in our brain. And because of that conviction, they really exclude the new completely from their thinking. When one does that, it is very close to being a psychopath or a sociopath. That's what psychopaths and sociopaths do, because they absolutely do not believe that there is anything, anybody outside of themselves, their own brain. These intellectuals, they come very close to that. Of course, they're not totally that. I'm not saying that. They all have chances of seeing something. You know, I was one of those myself. How can I even say that. So what happened to me can happen to anyone. You come across a crisis in your life and that in that crisis when you look at the problem you sometimes jolt it into a very positive outcome. That's what happened to me. It has happened to many, many, many scientists. It's a well-known phenomenon as well. But scientists who stay in that norm, normal pattern of scientific method or else, nothing else, that dogma, that my brain has all the information that I need. I don't need anything else. That dogma excludes you from the new. And then the quantum consciousness, the part of us, part, of, part inside of us that chooses the new becomes with children. Yes, we are still conscious, but that's the old consciousness. Consciousness which processes the old and that consciousness goes along with our ego facade. We're talking about the old dynamic of the ego in such a rigid example of, quote, reality, unquote. And then if you look at the mythology of our of our human story, there's people like Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Western religion, Jesus. And these are uh, personifications of source consciousness that perform, quote, miracles, unquote, compared to the Western mind. So when we talk about quantum spirituality 
and the infinite possibility that the quantum field has to offer, how does a human persona take that infinite potential of the quantum field and transform it into a, a collective um, probability of a new paradigm, uh, of a new direction for humanity? That's a wonderful question, Les. This is a very crucial question, and this is what brings us to the what I'm doing these days, uh, establishing a, a university for transformative education. How does one transform in this situation? Ego persona, persona very strong in terms of holding on to dogma, not opening into anything, not even believing that there is truth, uh, thinks that everything is mechanical, machines, and power is the only thing to go for. Uh, how does one transform this persona? So it's not very easy. Not very easy, and you cannot transform the people who are into it deeply. Um, however, the saving grace is that there is a phenomenon called reincarnation in quantum science. We have now given a theory, and the data has always been wonderful, ever since um, Ian Stevenson started doing uh, research on the subject of reincarnation. You know, he found so many children and verified their story that nowadays anybody who has read his research could not doubt reincarnation phenomenon. And there are many others, but we I don't want to sidetrack into that subject. Let's say that reincarnation happens. What I'm going to say is that quantum physics uh, has a very good theory about it, and through that theory, we also can theorize additionally that if you reincarnate again and again, after a while, you learn the purpose of reincarnation. The purpose of reincarnation is to develop creativity, to study this archetype that comes to us, like truth, beauty, love. Scientific research is an example of the archetypal exploration of truth. Now, I have given that up. Now, of course, truth has become relative. But truth is really not relative. These, all these archetypes are not relative. They're timeless, they're absolute, they have value. So um, this is has to, what has to come back. It cannot come back if you take people of that ilk who has bought into that mechanicalness of the world. But it can come back to those people who had, through many past incarnations, already have started the journey of transformation, because they are different. Now, who are they? Do, do, do we have them in the present world? Yes, if we didn't have them, you and I could not have this conversation. Now, how many of us are there? Well, it turns out that there's about 15% of us. It's not a negligible percentage anymore. So that's the hope, that the 15%, which is a substantial percentage, you know, in a corporation, if I own 15% of the stock, uh, they would have to take me seriously. So it's like that. In this very political world, very um, mechanical-centered uh, world, we still have a voice because we are 15%. We are not negligible anymore. Additionally, additionally, if we can transform some of those about to get out of that cocoon of fearfulness, what then? Then that's what we have to work on. So I have started this university of 
spiritual transformation because of quantum activism Vishalayam, who are associated with the University of Technology in Jaipur. We teach people. We give them masters and PhD and teach people how to how to transform, how to change from an ego persona. Not as deep, perhaps, but even so, quite deep. We teach them first we start with authenticity. Persona's biggest problem is it, it becomes inauthentic. You know, today we find, uh, let's take the case of Trump. I mean, it, 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 I got to mention Trump at least once during an interview. You know, forgive me if you don't like it. <laughs> but the reason is, look at what these Republicans are doing, or even the uh, Democrats. Uh, sometimes they too light. They soar. They make us, they had an oath they have to take that I will be impartial in this trial, right? And majority of the Republicans, no Democrats yet, but majority of the Republicans already have said that no, we don't, we don't, we won't follow that oath. We already have made up our minds and we will acquit, more or less explicitly. So this kind of thing, I noticed just now that a, a number of conservative Republicans, they have reminded them that, if, look, you have sown an oath. How can you violate the oath of the face of it? At least go through the pretension of listening uh, to your conscience. But, you know, this is the thing. If we learn to be authentic, if we start from authenticity, that, okay, we say a word and we take it seriously. It's something not to be disregarded. We, we discover, rediscover honor. That I have the sense of honor. If I take an oath, that has value. This is the beginning. And then we go from there, we talk about love and we bring love in our life. When the energies of love comes in, into our life, then we can transform. In, the, in terms of the vital energy, we say that the vital energy is all locked up into the anal retentivity. That energy rises first to the navel chakra that brings us self-respect. And when we discover self-respect, we will never lose honor. We'll always count on telling the truth, be respectful to our character, and we'll then begin to find love in our life. And then love becomes accepting of others, then we won't try to dominate anymore. And that is the time to go for the higher chapter of the brow. That becomes the doorway to intuition. And once we open up to the intuitive life, then there is no stopping to transformation. So that's the path. The path is quite simple when we look at from the vital energy point of view, what to do. In the mental path, it is not so simple because we are not working with the whole body and some of the energies are still locked up. So mental path takes a lot of time. This is why we find so many people are into outer creativity today. Creativity hasn't gone away. People are discovering new things in technology all the time, how to operate the machines all the time. And yet they do not Transform. They do not work on themselves to make the changes that you are talking about, that you are asking me. Why can't we have those changes that Jesus was able to make, that others were able to make throughout history? Why can't we have people today 
who can make those changes. Now, there are people today who are making those changes. That's the point. And, and, and how are they making those changes? They are making those changes by working on their body, working on the vital energies, as well as their mind. We must not get stuck with only the mind and mental creativity guiding us. That is limited in terms of transformative um, processes. Well, I, I like what you're saying. It's, uh, um, it is a, a, a work on yourself, if you will. Um, and I really like what you said about authenticity. It, it seems like the, uh, the collective consciousness, the, uh, the big story of humanity, if you will, has never been the dominion of a single persona, even uh, Jesus or Krishna or whatever didn't come down and 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 leverage uh, some kind of fulcrum and shift the dynamic by a by a single persona if you will yet there's some there's something that happens which you've been uh uh talking about when the when the individual when the individual transforms themselves um I know for myself the more i I gave myself compassion. The more I gave myself forgiveness, this is decades ago, um, when I transformed myself through com uh, compassion of myself and forgiveness of myself, it changed how I saw others. Um, it transformed how I perceived others who were going through struggles that I had just um um healed myself of there there's a there's a change in perspective i suggest that happens as you do work on yourself as you do find that inner clarity that inner well of uh creativity and inspiration where you you let go of uh um a need to influence another for effect where where you're expecting the other to have a particular reaction that you prefer and you let go of that and it's yeah. and and it, it moves to a place of really a, an unconditional unconditional acceptance if you will of the person as they are yes this is the crucial point you have just talked about the non-local discovery of another person um, being. What happens is precisely what empathy is about. Until I have forgiven myself, until I have transformed in those minimal ways, I cannot see what another person is feeling in a particular experience. Because I myself am stuck with my own inadequacy. So when I look at these things, when I can forgive myself, when I can give myself love, then it opens us to this non-local connection with the other, and we see exactly what the problem of the other is. So we are, we don't find it any more difficult of difficult to forgive the other, love the other, in spite of the shortcomings, in spite of the difficulties. Then this is what needs to happen. Transformation is about including others within us. Transformation is about having that expansion of consciousness as long as we can possibly maintain it. Of course, it don't stay expanded all the time because the world 
or is full of stressful events which will contract the consciousness. But whenever I become aware of contracted consciousness, if I can immediately make an effort to expand it, whenever the occasion is right and the situation is presenting to myself that, yes, you can expand your consciousness now, no need to dwell in that stressful event, then we have it. Then we more or less um, live in such an empathic way and we can all, we never will then have the mistake of violating somebody's being. Because somebody is just being somebody. And everybody has problems and they need love. They don't need my superior judgment. They don't need my enmity. They don't need my non-acceptance. What they need is the opposite. Well, there's a... There's a connection that we all share through the uh, non-local field, if you will. And when you transform yourself through compassion, when you uh, transform yourself through love, and I likewise, when somebody is uh, suffering and they desire to, to, uh, to heal or overcome the suffering, that desire is the... Um, what should I say, the attractor of, of the solution, if you will. And, and um, when humanity desires uh, a new paradigm, a new outcome, it, it's through the quantum, uh, the quantum effect that when you have transformed yourself and you have been that vehicle of transformation, the the path, if you will, that, that has a very linear twang to it, but the the element of transformation of yourself, um, since you have made that uh, journey yourself, the the vehicle of it, if you will, is becomes accessible through the non-local field of of oneness that we all share. So it almost seems like. The most powerful thing I can do to help humanity is to to find that uh, spiritual, authentic self, the 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 empty me with no motive, the empty me with no bias or um, expectation, and and from that, by embodying that, I'm ac- I actually become a vehicle for others to make the same journey? Does that make sense? Exactly. That makes exactly the sense. And this is why this is why all the great masters, you know, and Gandhi is just the latest, always insist that be the lamp unto yourself first. Change yourself first and then you can influence the others. Try to be the change that you want to see. That is such a crucial thing um, that we are now right now discussing. This is the crucial thing. Everybody has the desire someplace hidden that I want to heal. I don't want to stay contracted like this. There must be some suffering somewhere that is clear, that cannot be covered up by buying a new pair of shoes or buying a new jacket or getting new entertainment or thousands and thousands of information via the internet or many, 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 many fans in the social media. That just does not, cannot take care of this basic suffering from contraction of consciousness. So there is some place where every person does want to heal. 
we have to just touch that place. And it is foolhardy um, uh, to work on the very difficult cases initially. So initially, you know, like if you become a psychiatrist, your new practice should deal with the neurotics first and then you take the difficult cases of psychosis. You don't want to handle the diehard materialist or the diehard religionist because those people are so dogmatic, very difficult to change them. But there are many, many, many people available who are not gone that far yet, that far down the rabbit hole yet. They can be rescued, they can still be pulled up and then we can work on them and they can transform. So that is precisely the view that I have. First we work on this 15% or people who are close to that level. And then we start really making an effort of can we really heal even the diehard materialist or the diehard fanciful um, religions and all those prejudices. It, it seems uh, that the momentum that we have with uh, the quantum field, if the, if the quantum has indeed infinite possibilities and yet we have such a, a stigma or dogma of uh, consistent repetitive um, experiences, as we heal and transform ourselves, we, we collapse that rigidness and we allow um, lateral movement, if you will, in the quantum field for a new outcome, a new paradigm. So if, if yes. I look at the collective, if I take it on a, a macro level with road rage, here's a vehicle that perhaps cut me off. And, and in, the big, in the big scale of things, that is such a trivial thing, but yet the, the dogma of the road rage perpetuates experience um, with time. And now I take a step back and I look at the big collective and I look at the, the, uh, the stigma of humanity. When we polarize ourselves towards a condition in our human experience, perhaps terrorism, perhaps war, perhaps authoritarianism or dictatorship, when I hold a, a polarized or postured stance with that, I'm literally collapsing the solution, if you will, by that, by the, my polarized perception or judgment of that paradigm. So to, to, uh, to afford a new outcome, I have to uh, um, come to terms with what is and and let go of that stigma that stance if i am to loosen up the probabilities or possibilities of the quantum field to to manifest a new paradigm or a new trajectory does that does that make sense that makes a lot of sense in fact what you just said is the way out of this kind of uh, dilemma of what do we do with a hardcore uh, person who is so polarized. Actually, the the creativity that we are talking about, I call it fundamental creativity, creativity that really gets in touch with an archetype so strongly that the insight that comes really can transform anyone. So that kind of creativity, how do we go about it? Creativity research shows that Whenever the 
going is very tough. In other words, the old solution of a problem have just taken over the entire realm of your thinking. How to break that kind of brain up? Because there are so many contradictions in this brain and brain just cannot make any more decisions. So in that kind of situation, if you apply the creative process, you are doing something very good. Because when the brain or the known is just caught up into polarized thinking, everything is conflictual, everything has this opposite and I cannot make up my mind which one to choose, then there is only one thing I can do. I just give up. And in that giving up moment is when the quantum consciousness, the oneness that comes to us and that finds the new solution. Because if you think about it, a thesis and antithesis, the ego can never, can never find solution to that. Because it's either this one or that one. But the ego cannot make anything that is new. Ego by definition is either this or that. So we are caught up completely into that polarized way of thinking, either this way or that way. Only way that we can change is to become open to that new, open to the oneness. And then the oneness gives us that new thought. So that surrender, that okay, I cannot do this anymore. I just do not have within my power to do anything about this polarized situation. And then the divine will that comes divine insight that comes and that takes us to the quantum. We, we transform and immediately the solution is found and the whole humanity has a new path to travel, to heal. This is what is happening today. In fact, you know, one should not lose heart too much about what is happening in politics in America or other places where we have dictators and we seem to be stuck in this polarization. We should not lose too much heart because this is the way that creativity works. When creativity really requires a very, very deep new thinking, then we need this kind of polarization, this kind of opposites, where we get ego gets completely, completely imbecile, cannot do except this, either this or that, completely caught up in the conflict. This is when the ego can surrender and the new can come because the power of the whole consciousness, power of wholeness comes to rescue of the ego and we become creative. We have the discovery and we can change accordingly. Well, beautiful. I, I so love this topic. It's It's been a passion of mine for many, many years. Um, well, an hour can go by pretty fast, and I want to make sure our audience knows how to connect with you and your books, and and please share with us what endeavors that you're working on now. Can you give us your web page and how to get your books and whatnot? Absolutely. It's the website is amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I dot O-R-G. Amit Goswami, one word, dot org. 
That's the website. There is their email in that website, info at amitgoswami.org. If you write to that email, I respond to everyone personally, every email. So please write any questions, and this is a new age kind of spirituality we are getting into. And this is really a worldly spirituality. This is really something wonderful for you to get exposed to. And that's all. Wow. Well, what what a delightful conversation. I I love I I so love uh, delving into the uh, um, the the deeper view, the the deeper understanding of perhaps the mechanics of the universe. I want to thank you for being our guest today. It's been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you, Les. This has been a wonderful conversation and all triggered by your question. Thank you. We've been talking with Amit Goswami, and the topic tonight has been quantum spirituality. Isn't it curious that what we boiled this down to is heal yourself, heal the world, <laughs> so to speak, in that it, it's really doing the work on ourselves, healing ourselves, holding compassion for ourselves, learning how to love ourselves again as one of the most powerful things we can do as a single human being to transform the collective condition of our society, of our culture. When you bring yourself to forgiveness of yourself, to compassion of yourself, to love of yourself, you're creating the model, you're embodying the model of the mechanism of humanity, if you will, healing itself. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? Hey, you know, you, the listener, have taken the time to grow who you are. You've spent this episode with us, and I thank you. And as a result, you've changed who you are. And it's through the individuals, all of us collectively, going through this change that will change the course of humanity. It's always a pleasure. I love, love, love bringing you episodes like this. It is my passion to do such things. And I want to thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.